This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. It's Kelly and Company on a Friday afternoon. We've talked turkeys a little bit this morning on Now with Dave Brown. And I'm not having turkey this weekend, but I feel like I'm going to miss it. It's not even a, a tradition, not something that we've done for so long that I'm like, oh, it's not happening this year. Not at all. I think I've, we've done turkey once. <laughs> we've done all kinds of other things, but just once for turkey. Oh, no, twice. But somehow it feels like it's going to be strange not having turkey. Brock, are you turkeying? On Thanksgiving weekend? Oh, actually, I'm not a hundred percent sure. My mother-in-law. You yourself that you were gonna just now? I I was going to, and then I realized where it was I was going, and I'm like, eh, because my mother-in-law tends to mix things up a little bit, and then mm-hmm. uh, next weekend, I was told because my Thanksgiving continues, I was told by a credible source that uh, we will be having uh, turkey. So I will be getting turkey at least once, but. Uh, uh, Megan's family sometimes turkey, sometimes ham, sometimes other things. So I don't oh, okay. really know, but I confidently was like yes, and then I had to pump the brakes. So it was right. like eh, yeah. maybe not, maybe not. All right, all right. So you're having some some version of turkey somewhere, somebody's house. Yes, yes, <laughs> I am. But and I um, my brother's gonna make prime rib, so that's still good. Oh, that's that's it's still really great. good. Yeah, yes. it's just not turkey, and I've, I'm missing turkey. Uh, yeah, turkey can be really good, but it can be too much after so long, too. Mm. Something that is never too much is our reports from our regional content uh, development specialist. And today we're joined by Karen McGee from Morrisburg, Ontario. Karen, how are you? I'm good, and I just had turkey poutine. Oh, my God, yum. Oh, from a chip That's... truck, a real chip truck. Like shredded? Uh, shredded so turkey? So it was like was french fries turkey. and then yeah. turkey, shredded turkey, and then yeah. stuffing and gravy. Oh, get out. Quite frankly. Um, a Mike Ross would hate that. Why you know, would he hate he, that? Because he only eats traditional poutine, right? So he's, when you get him riled up about... I know. When you well, get, I, when you, it's so fun getting him riled up about like. I do enjoy getting Mike riled up. That is one yeah. of my favorite pastimes. Uh, this would have been a great one to bring up on the morning show, man, because he was talking about how he loves turkey leftovers. He buys a bigger turkey than normal to do all the leftover stuff. Yes, I do so too. If you had mentioned, and one idea would be a leftover turkey poutine, poutine. he would have gotten. <laughs> His Poor reaction Mike. would have been precious. Well, he cheers to the leaves, eh? So there's no accounting for taste. <laughs> Whoa. Oh, hi, Brock. Whoa. Hi, Brock. Hi, Brock. How you doing, bud? How you doing, bud? Uh, good. How are you? Let's move on from the leaves before we get way too far down a rabbit hole that we can't get out of. Uh, speaking of food, however, uh, Thunder Bay Superior North MPP Lise Vuzois uh, participated in the uh, social assistance diet for two weeks. What is the social assistance diet? So the goal of this campaign is something that the NDP party did is to raise awareness of how challenging it can be for people who are food insecure and how challenging it really is to eat healthy. 
Um, so the MPPs went for two weeks by eating only what they could buy for 95.21 or 47.60 per week, which is what the NDP says is an approximate two-week grocery budget for social assistance recipients. And Lee's found this very challenging, which is not surprising. Um, she found she had to do more meal planning. She often had to think about um, which she eat. did she eat enough in the morning? She found that she didn't. She was hungry before lunch, and that the hunger really affected her thinking. I know we've talked, we've heard of studies of kids in schools who, if the kids who don't have breakfast, um, don't do as well in school, who are who don't have you know who don't eat properly, don't do as well in school. And that's why a lot of schools now have breakfast programs so the kids can start the, the week off right, the day off right. She ate a lot of sandwiches, a lot of eggs, and she ran out of money five days into the experiment and had to rely on what was in her pantry, which is a luxury that many people don't have. Um, it was a very eye-opening experience for her. Yes. And so can we go into specifics about what was said about this experience? Um, that she, that she, um, again, it was really, really challenging for her. Um, it, it's, it really opened her eyes to how people who are on Ontario Works and ODSP, how challenging it can be to live, because especially if you've got to feed a family for that. So you think like $97 for groceries for two weeks, I think I spend that on a one trip. And I probably go to the grocery store every three or four days. And it's just two of us. I'm making it sound like we eat a lot. But to buy like, to the fruits and the vegetables, you can't do that. So like, she was relying on things like like buying a dozen eggs and eating hard-boiled eggs, um, which is not sustainable for people. I was uh, watching the uh, news clip on this very story to get the pronunciation of her name, uh, first and foremost. And then secondly... The thing that I noticed was that she was extremely, like, uh, shaky after a certain point of this um, scenario. But then it was like, yeah, I recognize I can't eat on this uh, diet. And then the newscaster basically said she'll eventually go back to her regular diet, but most people won't, which is sort of uh, one of those underlying things that people don't realize if you're on social assistance it's it's cool to to try it and see what people go through but they can go back on their regular diets whereas some individuals can't so with there that there's an end game what there's an end game right she knew she only had to do this for two weeks and she could go to her pantry how many people who rely on services like this have a pantry full of food yeah, that's right. Like, I mean, when I was solely reliant on ODSP and, and that, there was no extra. It was like, what can I get this week that will make it work for me? And that's it. So, you know, the idea of uh, of going to the pantry when I saw that, I kind of shook my head and go, yeah, but that's not the normal life of people that live on social assistance. It's just flat out not. And I think that this needs to be looked at. With that said, though, what are they going to do uh, about this moving forward for people who might struggle with this very thing? So, I mean, Ontario, uh, the NDP are not the ruling party. It is the Conservatives. So, But the Ontario NDP are going to call on the province um, to double Ontario Works and ODSP rates. There are, oh, are 900,000 people in Ontario that receive social assistance, that's that's a lot. Um, that's like the population of Ottawa. 
Um, she feels, Lise feels the current rates are essentially punishing people for having a disability or for being out of work. Um, just some other numbers, ODSP recipients receive around $1,227 per month. Ontario works uh, $733 per month. So that's in total to cover all living expenses. And by the time you pay rent, um, bill, rent, your hydro bills, your internet, um, if you have it, uh, the $47.60 for food that she got was actually kind of generous. Um, they're also hoping to spend the next few weeks gathering stories from people in ODSP and Ontario Works and then passing these stories on to the provincial government in the hopes that maybe what people have been calling for for as long as I can remember to increase these rates because it's it's not sustainable for people. Especially at the price of groceries, Karen. Like, I mean, $47, I, I, I do that on the first aisle probably, honestly, with my my wife and I, and it's just the way it is. So I really hope it changes coming from a situation where that's all I relied on for, you know, the first mm-hmm. half of my adult life. Yeah, it's 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 not fair to people. It's not it's right. Not. In my opinion, I need to add my opinion. It's in my opinion. Yeah. And it is very relatable for so many people around the country uh, living on social assistance or minimum income and feeding uh, entire families, for example. Karen, another thing to talk about, four years ago, this is kind of a nice story, a tornado destroyed several homes, that's not the nice part, in Dunrobin, (laughs) Ontario, and the Nicholsons had to rebuild, and they found a unique way to give back to the people who helped them. And before we talk about what they did, this uh, unique idea, can you tell us a little bit about the Nicholsons? So Todd is a former Paralympian and his wife, Emily, and their children, Tate and Gwen, lost everything when the tornado came through. And I, you guys aren't from the Ottawa area, but um, Dave and I were talking about this on Now the other day. And, you know, we remember that day. Um, it affected Dave quite a bit, um, but they lost everything. They weren't home, thank heavens. But one of the few things, you know, their goldfish survived and that's about it from their house. Um, they had to rely for the next 499 days before their new home was built. They had no place to live. They spent time with friends and on couches. Um, uh, Todd uses a wheelchair. Um, so, you know, they had to reduce the places where they could stay safely. Um, because it took almost 500 days to build their fully accessible house. So Emily told the Ottawa Citizen, for most people, building a new home was exciting. And it really wasn't for them. Um, they were building it because of a tragedy, and they loved their old house. Um, the family actually helped build the new house. Emily did everything from drywall to, to stonework. Um, but something really special came out of it, and it is Thanksgiving, so it's a good time to talk about it. Um, they put in their new house something called a gratitude wall. Um, and it's a wall that's covered in tiny hearts, each with a name written on it, and it is placed beside others in a frame. And this wall honors people who they call the helpers. And this is everybody from people who brought them clothes to dinners to people who lent their expertise to building the house. Um, just it's a way for them to look at the wall and be grateful um, for what they have because they'd lost everything. But these people helped them get back what they have now. So I just that gives me the goosebumps. I've, I've met Todd and Emily. Um, they are the nicest people. And I just I get goosebumps when I think that they have this wall in their home now. Yeah. Well, tell us quickly, Karen, because I don't want to miss out on how they thought of the wall. Um, Sorry, not the wall, but the book. Uh, And it's a limited edition. Our family is grateful. But if people wanted to get a copy, is there a way? 
Okay, so, uh, yeah, sorry, they wrote a book. So Remington had a blog. Somebody suggested she write a book. She wrote a book, a children's book, that talks about our family is grateful. Um, it's available in English and French. It's been gifted to communities, families, children, first responders, to be used as a tool to navigate some challenging times for families. It's a reminder that in crisis, we are never alone. So this book is help, to help families through disasters. Um, they also gave it to thank you to the people who helped them that are on their their um, their, mem their grateful wall. Um, you can, there's only one printing. You can request your copy by emailing ourfamilyisgrateful at gmail.com. Oh, this is so lovely. Honestly, they're so grateful and that the the wall of hearts and names is just like such a sentimental way to remember, uh, first of all, how long and how many people in that length of time helped them out. Yeah, I I love that. And I love the idea. I mean, you and I are both big book people. We've talked about this mm -hmm. before. And I love the idea that she made a book to thank people too, that it can be used yeah. as it's being used as a tool, like for first responders when a family has a disaster. They're giving it to families and letting them use it. So I think that's a really, really neat way to pay everything forward. For real. Awesome. Awesome stuff as always, Karen. Thank you so much. Always and a we'll pleasure, my you. friends. Have a great weekend. You too. That was Karen McGee, our regional content development specialist from Ottawa. And our regional content development specialist join us on Wednesdays and Fridays right here on Kelly & Company. In the next hour of Kelly and Company, we have the Chatty Bookshelf with Ryan Hui telling us about a fun book. We're also doing Cut for Time, where we reflect on the week's conversations. But after the break, we have The Buzz with Bill Shackleton. Join me every couple weeks for the Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther podcast, where we learn about outdoor tech and tips. Plus, we look at news affecting the environment. AMI's Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther is available from your favorite podcast provider.